Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Dr. James Canton is the author of The Oak Papers. Dr. Canton runs the Wild Writing MA at the University of Essex and is the author of Ancient Wonderings and Out of Essex, Reimagining a Literary Landscape. He was awarded his PhD by the University of Essex and writes for the Times Literary Supplement, Caught by the River and Earthlines. He is a regular on British TV and radio, teaching and lecturing frequently. He lives in Essex, England. Welcome, James. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the Oak Papers. You're very welcome. It's nice to be here, Zibby. It really is. Where are you Zooming in from, by the way? You're in London or where are you? For all the New Yorkers out there or the uh, Americans, I'm actually in that little old island, England, about an hour northeast of London, where I come from. But I've, I've kind of now kind of camped out in a field for the last 20 odd years. Not Not exactly, but in a really lovely kind of little English village in a very old cottage that was once used by farm laborers. Yeah, really wow. nice. Well, that, that sort of jives with your whole sort of, sure. you know, treatise on, on nature and books and sort of the old school way of living, if you will. Why don't you tell listeners what the Oak Papers is about? Okay, sure. Yeah. So 
A few years ago, I was working in a secondary school, in a high school, in, in rural Essex, where I live. And I just decided one day that I would go and visit an 800-year-old oak tree. And it wasn't completely out of the blue in the sense that I was, by then I was teaching a master's class in, uh, in wild writing. And I come from a kind of literary background. So I really wanted to build my my knowledge, my skills as a, as a naturalist, as an ecologist. So I thought this might work, work out as a really good project. I, could, I thought, well, you know, I could spend some time with this, with this tree, kind of get to know some of the bugs and the beasties that kind of live around this tree. So, you know, so I got in, got in touch with a guy who went under the title of curator of trees on this small English estate, lovely guy called Jonathan Jukes. And I, and I you know, literally contacted him out of the blue and said, look, I've got this plan that I, I, I kind of want to come and sit by this, this tree, you know, for all different times of day and night and through the seasons, you know, in the rain and the snow. And, and I, and I met him and he doesn't, he doesn't say too much as a lot of wood men and women do, as I realized, but he just kind of like nodded a bit. And then he was kind of like, yeah, I get that. I get that. And the estate very kindly agreed that I would, have kind of free access that I could kind of go in through this little, literally a small gate at the back of the estate whenever I wanted, which was just a kind of really quite incredible ticket to freedom as it felt at the time. And so I, that's, I mean, this is how the project began that I, I literally went and sat by this, by this 800 year old oak tree that had, you know, that was still a big tree 400 years ago when the English civil war was taking place, you know, this kind of thing, it had this, incredible history i mean we I, you know i mentioned that because we know we have documentary evidence that there were parliamentary troops you know camping up by this tree as they went to siege colchester you know in, in the 1640s so you know incredible history and and this this it kind of enticed me into spending some time with this tree yeah Wow. And I love how you did it as a journal, how you had like different days and you would, it, you felt so in the moment with you. Like this whole book was like an exercise in mindfulness sort of. Wow. And yeah. the fact that you wrote it in the present tense and you just had us there with you. Like I am sitting, I mean, I think it was in the present tense or at least, yeah. yeah l- l- I feel so much calmer. Right? Odd, I was yeah. like, did I make a mistake? But the, <laughs> the immediacy of it and the way you experience nature brings us in as if we are sitting there too. Not to mention that you must have found every single literary reference to an oak tree, like in the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my background was, I just, I fairly recently completed a PhD. So the idea of doing research was, you know, still very, I mean, it's still very much part of my world. So, you know, after I spent a bit of time with this tree, you know, after a few months, I started thinking, I need to know more about kind of humans and oaks and, you know, and, and in the States and in Britain, you know, and in a number of countries around the world, as I, as I learned, we have this very special relationship with oaks. You know, we might have slightly different species of oaks in our different kind of uh, lands, but, but often people do feel this, this real close connection, this close affinity to oaks, and, and obviously often to the most ancient and most kind of magnificent examples, individuals, if you like, of the oaks that we kind of hang around with. So, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and as soon as you start as soon as I started spending time in the British Library exploring this, you know, this incredible cultural history, you know, I mean, I realised you could go back to, you know, the earliest written texts in, in you know, Western civilization. So you could go back to Homer, you go back to the Odyssey, 
And, and we're reminded that Odysseus, before he can set sail back to Ithaca, he has to get the word of truth from the gods in the temple of Dodona. And how does he get what, you know, how are those words given to him? They come through the susurrations is the word, the susurrations of the oak leaves, the whisperings of these leaves that is then interpreted by the priests. And they told Odysseus to go home. So, you know, like, right, I mean, right through, as you say, you know, I spent a lot of time going through as many kind of cultural references as I could. And then I, I just wanted to kind of place them through the book as much as possible. So that's, that's yeah, that's very much what I did. <laughs> a lot of them are really beautiful. So who knew? <laughs> Odysseus. Oh, my gosh. I read the Odyssey for school in like seventh grade. And now you're taking me back to like, taking me back to that whole time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's ancient Greece. Indeed. The way you wrote about oaks. The book is not simply about trees and nature, right? It's about our relationship to the world is really what the book is more about. It's not just about the history of trees, right? It's about what it means when we spend time in nature and when we are with a tree and what it does to our own reflection when things around us sort of pause. It's sort of interesting that this comes out at the end of the pandemic where things have actually paused for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely right. And this was something that I kind of started to experience, and and I think this is how the the nature of the book shifted from me from what I'd in, initially envisaged as a kind of as a study of the oak and its kind of habitations and the creatures that it lives with into something that was far more human centered. Because I realised that every time I went and sat by this ancient oak tree, I felt calmer and more peaceful and more at ease in my world. And I, you know, as much as anything, I genuinely, I mean, for a while, I just kind of bathed in that, it has to be said. And then part of me started to sort of say, well, you know, why? You know, what? I, like, what's all that about? So, you know, I've done this research into, you know, and, I, you know, the, it, the whole process was kind of ongoing. But, you know, as, as you know, in the book, what I do is I kind of go and talk and interview, interview informally a number of kind of experts. So I spoke to an environmental psychologist at one point and, you know, and kind of literally said, look, Mike, you know, why do I feel calmer when I'm sitting next to an oak tree or, or sitting in an oak tree? And, and he, he kind of explained some of the, of the kind of current science to do with, you know, our brain patterns and, and the shift that, that is scientifically proven that takes place as we step into green spaces, natural spaces, out of more urban kind of human created spaces. And what the scientists call stepping from stressed states to meditative states, you know, and, and it, things started to kind of make sense. You know, I, I kind of, I genuinely realised that, you know, that there was a, a genuine sense in which my well-being was being improved by being with the oaks. Yeah. To find an oak tree. Pronto. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, this like, this is basically what you were just saying, but you said, sure. I became even closer to oaks. I made being beside an oak tree part of my daily ritual, like a religious practice. Rather than merely visiting the Honeywood Oak on the way to or from work, I now sought to spend more time each day in that still world beside an oak tree. I would turn from all that troubled me in life and work in order to sit beside an oak and focus my thoughts on the presence of that tree. By an oak tree, my mind became calmer. It was a form of meditation. I spent more and more time in the company of oaks. I leaned on oak trees for support. In many ways, it was a stepping away, a withdrawal from my own species. I can see that now the silent, sentient ways of the oak becoming something I strove for as though there were personality traits that I could take on if only I spent enough time beside or within an oak tree. 
It was a deeply meditative way of being that I searched for. I believed such a state would keep me sane. Whether I was fleeing from being human or seeking to be of the tree, I still do not know. At times, it felt as if I was drifting too far, like sailing too far from the shore. And I did turn at times to the thoughts of others. I sought out those sympathetic souls who kindly offered me their wise words on what Oaks meant to them, how it was that Oaks offered us peace and calm, and even what it meant to be the Oak. Beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I was just thinking I should add for the... For the listener that, you know, there's that there was a, a kind of personal aspect to this. So I was kind of, you know, going through the breakup of a long relationship and, you know, I went through kind of some some kind of difficult times through the through the, you know, the five years or so that I ended up spent take, taking to write this book. And, you know, and as as you put so well in, the, in that passage, you read it really nicely. You know, there was this this sense of time. And, you know, I think, you you know, most adults through their life at some point will experience, you know, difficult times and, and, and also hopefully experience the solace that you can get as a human by stepping into the natural world. And, and for me, that was, that was kind of linked with stepping into the kind of, into the, the enveloping embrace of oaks or something like that. So I started to go not just to the 800 year old oak tree that was a drive away and near my work, but, you know, to, to a local oak that was just a walk away that I could, you know, that I could step up into and actually sit within as well. And that was a, again, a kind of, a kind of step up in the kind of experiential experience, if you like, that I was undertaking getting to know Oaks. So yeah, it was, it was a powerful process at times. It really was. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because, and this is how, you know, like the power of a good book, right? This weekend I went to a wedding in Virginia, which was like a seven hour drive or whatever. And it was on like in the middle of these rolling hills in the middle of nowhere with like this vast expanse. And it was called the Inn at Willow Grove. So there were all these willow trees when you first like go in. And I would normally not even look twice at a tree. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. I know that sounds terrible. I just don't really notice them. I mean, I notice if one is like strikingly beautiful and I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. But I just don't, it's just like not in my... But after reading your book and finding myself on this like gorgeous piece of property for this wedding, I kept going over to all these trees and like looking at them in a new way and imagining similar to the man who owned the the land where you would go for your first oak tree and how he put in his will that, you know, that the trees not be felled. And it turns out that they were and yeah. one by one all around the land, except for the one remaining tree yeah. and how it was that I was standing there with all these original trees. And like, what if all the ones around me had been taken down? Anyway, it was like a whole, <laughs> I went down a whole thing in my head. Well, about that's it, wonderful so. to hear. I mean, that that is praise indeed, you know, you know what I mean? That kind of, cause I love that, that the, the book has kind of, turned your your world a little bit or your vision yeah. you know, for a while that's that's so nice yeah that's lovely yeah thank you I like how books change the way you see everything so yeah I mean I was chatting to someone yesterday and they I was actually selling books on a little market stall in a little craft fair just down the road from me which was really sweet and it's it was just really nice to chat to some people um, and someone came up and they said oh I've read this I read this last summer and they were really nice and you know they I said well I you know I wrote it and we had a lovely chat and they were saying you know what you wrote it and and I just went, it went slower and slower, the pace of the book kind of, and I just, I just became calmer and calmer as I was reading. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so, that's so lovely to hear because that's exactly what I kind of strove to, to kind of create in terms of a kind of a tone, a kind of pace to the book that it was, 
hopefully not too slow, but kind of meditative in that sense that it, it kind of offered a kind of oak time reading, you know, you kind of, you know, if we if we all operated in kind of oak time, I think we'd be a lot calmer, a lot more kind of chilled out, perhaps. So, yes. you know, that was really nice to hear from someone. Yeah. Wow. Living in oak time. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I was expecting a little more about your life when I, because I read, you know, I think in the description or something, it was like an intersection of a memoir and da, da, da. But you were very, I mean, KG sounds negative, so I don't want to use that word. Like you just obliquely referenced some of the things about your life, but there was no detail into that, which is fine, you yeah. know, but then I wondered, what was that about? Was that obviously it was a conscious decision at some point, but Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, I think you know, I, t- I you know, I teach quite a lot of books that are are kind of nature based, and often people are very very open. You know, they're very they use they use nature as a kind of a background to their own kind of personal disclosures. And you know, we, I kind of talked with the editor editor about this, and you know, we wanted to include that personal narrative. You know, and I was like, I'm really happy to do that, but I don't really want. This is not meant to be a book about me. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm the storyteller, I'm the narrator, but it's it's you know, it's a factual book about oaks and my experiences and time with them, and I don't want people to get kind of caught in my story because what I really would love is is people read this book, you know, and then it kind of affects them in the sense that they start going to trees and they start to appreciate their local trees a bit as you did at your lovely wedding, you know, you know, that, that was really what, what I would like to happen in terms of the book rather than people think, Oh, you know, and and follow it as a, you know, as, as is some some people brutally call a misery memoir type thing, you know, a nature <laughs> memoir. I was like, I don't really want that. I want it to be more uplifting than that. I want it to be more centered around a more kind of meditative pace of, you know, of, of recognizing the, the value that the natural world can have for us as humans and, and how it has had that through, through, through our history, you know, from, from the first time that we kind of stepped as, 
you know, into becoming farmers away from the kind of hunter-gatherer narrative of our lifestyle. And, you know, this was this was very much more what I wanted to to create in the book. So, yeah, it was, it's a good point because there was an editorial meeting where <laughs> I thought I was going to be kind of told, like, look, it will sell a lot more copies if you, you know, if you if you tell us everything about what happened in the breakdown of your relationship. And, you know, but they, my editor was great. My editor was great because I was like, that's not really what I want to be doing. Yeah. Well, what you really did well also was set the stage for sort of the sadness or that's not even the right word, but how it was almost like a tragedy when all of the trees were cut down and the flippant way in which those decisions are made and the repercussions of that and what we're taking away when all these trees were cut down just for local timber and what that does to a community and what that does to the people who get ancillary benefits from that and just so many other ripple effects from from one generation's decisions forever yeah that's right and i think i mean exactly and i say i say about that first meeting with jonathan jukes at this you know literally under the oak and he told me this story then and there and i didn't know it and and as you as you hint towards the story was that about he said he put it something like this if we'd been standing here 60 years ago we'd be standing with about 300 other oaks of a similar age 300 other uh, you know i didn't know this i mean i live i live in this you know nearby and i didn't know this story and so you know i was kind of genuinely quite shocked and you kind of initially you think oh god you know what were they doing that's my grandfather's generation you know what were they doing then you know you down the line you kind of pause and you think two generations down my grandchildren what are they going to be saying about what what we've done you know Mm. or haven't done in you know in terms of climate change in terms of an environmental narrative etc and this this was something that I just realized it this needed to be part of the story as well you know I'd have to do that and you know one of the one of the people that I met and and introduces kind of voice in in the story was someone who worked there as a you know as a teenager and you know he's very 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 lovely guy he you know I met him at one point and I talk about it in the book collecting money for you know that those uh those who fell in the first world war etc and you know and and their 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 generations on but he wouldn't he wouldn't talk to me about what had happened in those woods with the 300 you know, dead trees. So, you know, very powerful, very powerful in, in that kind of calm, kind of quiet, silent way that often these these wood men and women that I met have, you know, that you're tempted to think they become tree-like in their ways, if you like. They, they become wise and, you know, and calm and quiet. So as an English teacher, I'm sure you have a bazillion pieces of advice for aspiring writers, but what would you, what would you say as advice and what pieces of that advice did you use when writing this book? Like what tricks and tools and did you employ to, to create this one yourself? Well, that's a good question. When I was talking to uh, teaching my second years, this, you know, in the last academic year, obviously we're all teaching on zoom, et cetera. And with one class in my second year, so I teach creative nonfiction to, I actually pulled out the, the files that came, the Oak Papers, just to kind of illustrate. And I don't have them here, but, you know, they're about, they're about I don't know, nine inches thick of folders of paper. And not all of it is my writing, but a lot of it is. And that idea that, 
you know, it went, this book went through three solid edits, you know, and a number of kind of versions before it became this final version. That's something I think I always try and stress to students to kind of, to, to work at material, to write on a daily basis if you can, you know, even if it's just small bits. I mean, you see that like, I include quite a lot of diary entries that I wrote, you know, in situ at the Oak. And often they're just small little snippets, but it keeps the writing process going. And if you can be writing on a, on a daily or a weekly basis, I always think that's, that's, that's sort of the best advice you can give to, to people. And then if you can leave it after a while and go back and have a little reread of it, edit it, work it, evolve it, you know, which is what the Oak Papers was all about. That's why it got called the Oak Papers because I had so much paper about oaks (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and what is coming next for you now any more books in the future yeah yeah I mean I think probably a number of writers might say this but the pandemic's been you know been really hard in in obviously and you know a terrible thing in many ways but uh it's allowed me more time in my day so because I'm not commuting into the University of Essex. So it's meant I've been writing and I've, you know, so I've completed a, another book a bit, a bit ahead of time. So I've got a meeting with my editor on Friday to talk about Exciting. getting that secured. But that will, that will be coming out with Canongate hopefully next year and, and, hope, and with Harper One as well. We've signed all the contracts, so that's really good. That is really good. And I'm currently working on a book that's more to do with rewilding, and that idea of kind of helping the, the natural environment individually, you know, whether it's in a, you know, in a nice flat in New York, whether we can have some, some flowers as window boxes or, you know, not mowing your lawn in May <laughs> or, uh, or persuading farmers to be planting more wildflowers. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thanks for chatting about the Oak Papers with me. And I'm glad that you consolidated them into a nice slim <laughs> book that I can have all the way across ocean so you know thanks so much and i look forward to seeing your next book when it comes out well thank you zibi i I really appreciate your enthusiasm and i love the fact that you were distracted at your wedding by some gorgeous willows that's really really good to hear good to hear it i'm so glad (laughs) all right well have a great day and thank you so much all right thanks so much bye thank you take care thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.